Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Zero, a Zero Waste podcast. I'm Shane Petkowitz. Uh, very excited for the next episode today. I think you really enjoy it. Uh, today, I have Laura Vigaria. She is the CSR manager at MudJeans. Uh, she works to continuously drive improvements in MudJeans sustainability and circularity objectives. MudJeans is the world's first circular denim brand. Its objective is to demonstrate that there's an alternative to fast fashion. Through its Lisa Jeans model, the brand challenges the idea of ownership and incentivizes a world without waste. I had a great conversation with her, learned a lot about the fashion industry and learned about very many practical tools that we can all take to improve the circularity in our own fashion choices. When I first learned about my jeans, I felt like it was, it, it could meet exactly some of the problems that I was facing. Uh, and, and that problem is I've been wearing an article of clothing for some time. It's probably a bit too worn to donate or reuse, but I don't necessarily just want to throw it away. <laughs> so I don't know what to do. That's the problem I was facing. I'm facing right now. So when I learned about my jeans, I was like, they should come to San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm really excited to have you on uh, and uh, talk about your background. So maybe uh, just at a high level, you can introduce yourself and introduce Mud Jeans and we can go from there. Yeah, super. So my name is Laura Vicaria. I am the CSR manager at Mud Jeans um, based in Amsterdam. I am Swiss Colombian and uh, Mud Jeans, well, also based in Amsterdam, uh, you described already a really important part of the of the Mudjins concept. We are a circular denim brand. And basically what we do is we make new jeans out of the old jeans that we collect. So basically as a brand, we take responsibility over our own waste. Great. And that's uh I mean that's a that's a, a ideal that we should all be striving for and not necessarily every company uh, tries to do that. Can we just take a, a big picture view of the fashion sector and say what what are what's the waste, what wastes are being generated broadly at the, the at the macro level in the sector and and how are you trying to address that? Yeah, so the fashion industry is uh, a huge contributor to unfortunately also the climate pro- problem in general. Uh, it is accountable for four percent of the world's. Uh, CO2 production uh, or green gas production, greenhouse gas production. Um, and when it comes to waste, I now don't have the exact data in, um, in front of me, but uh, I believe it was the Ellen MacArthur Foundation that they made an estimation that a truck full of clothes is burned or is uh, thrown away or incinerated every minute, every second, something around the sort. So huge amounts of waste. And this is driven very much by the fast fashion culture, which is this concept of, I constantly need to be wearing the trendiest things. And because it's cheap and easy to get hold of, I can easily do it. And that's what we are all doing. It's uh, And it's normal because we have been highly influenced by the media campaigns and marketing campaigns um, that are influencing that culture of high levels of consumption and complete disregard of what happens to our products and the things that we buy after we're done using them. 
Yeah, and it is a big challenge um, when we're we're bombarded with all these messages of continual consumption. Um, one one thing that really struck me, and I, I really kind of want to walk through this for the for the audience, is um, that you have a different essentially pricing model uh, as part of of mud jeans, right? It's, you're not you know you're not purchasing an article of clothing; you're you're leasing it. Is that as I understand? Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. So. Uh, my jeans is famous for its Lisa jeans concept. Um, and so part of the whole, um, as, a, as a circular business, we have multiple elements of circularity uh, that we implement. We talk about design, how we design the product. The product is designed for circularity. Our supply chain is also very short. So that lowers our environmental impact. And we work with suppliers that... Uh, are conscious of our values and share the same values, including waste um, production, etc. And then the famous model of Lisa Jeans, which is about really creating a cultural shift, uh, challenging the ideas of ownership, and giving our customers the freedom of uh, experiencing a new product without the uh, and environmental anxiety of having that new product. It's really a solution for them. Um, and so our customer is leasing the pair of jeans for 12 months. You pay $9.95 per month for that period. And at the end of that period, as a leaser, you have the possibility to keep your pair of jeans and that's it. You're done paying. They're yours. Um, or to start a new lease. So you can send back your jeans and start a new lease. Um, now, there's a lot of flexibility here. You can keep your jeans and have more leases or send back the jeans and have don't lease anymore. But that's not really the point. The point is really to demonstrate that there is another way of doing business that, um, a company or a brand can take responsibility over its own waste. And this is just basically the way that we do it, how to create that mental change of how to take care, uh, how to interact with your clothes. Um, and, and as I mentioned, once we get the jeans back, that's how we're able to really recycle them and reincorporate them into production. There's a lot to unpack here. And uh, I think I, I want to focus a little bit on the, on the cultural shift. So. How has it been engaging with your actual clients and having that conversation of shifting from fast fashion to something where there isn't even ownership? Well, the possibility of there isn't even ownership. Is that, has, it, has that been a difficult conversation? Are people embracing it? What have you found? Well, um, there's multiple levels to that, to that question. So in one sense, when we first started Mudjeans, which was back in 2013, there was, um, it was a little bit harder, uh, but slowly the culture came of the Netflix, the Spotify, the lease my scooter, my car, my electric car, you know, easily with an application or you no longer have your whole playlist on iTunes, but rather whatever, maybe you're still using iTunes, but you know, it's easier on Spotify. You have that subscription and it's not necessarily necessary that you actually own that product. So um, those concepts really helped in um, 
making people feel more comfortable about leasing their genes. Um, and then at another level, I have to be honest and say, we have a very particular type of customer. And these are people that are really environmentally conscious, that are eager to try new things, that um, you know are connected to nature, that have this whole aspect of work-life balance culture as well. And so all of those things really link to, to make a proper fit um, to, to, to our business model and, and our sales model. Now, of course, the next challenge is, okay, that's great. But if you really want to start changing uh, the fashion industry, you actually have to start, um, you know, maybe catching the interest of the Zara H&M loving folks that, you know, are maybe more interested in other aspects of fashion. And the way that we try to do that is, well, uh, we don't have multiple collections, um, our, but our styles are very classy, beautiful, um, high quality products and, and, and products that you can wear um, across multiple seasons. So by having that good product, we also hope to attract other types of customers and bring them on on the journey of circularity and in that process, educating them about it. Is there... I'm just curious, do, how do people with those customers that are looking for, potentially can be looking for a new clothing line every so often, does the fact that they can return something and get something new every year, is that a, is that a benefit? Is that a plus or is that a negative in their mind if that's the, the mindset that they have? Yeah, that's a great, um, that's a great point. You know, on average, people um, wear their clothes, I think it's uh, five to seven times, and, and then they throw it away. Um, and so what we are trying to really, again, is try to shift that culture um, of, hey, take care of your genes, build a relationship with your genes, and then when you no longer want them, and this we try to make very clear, we have a year deadline, but that doesn't mean that you can only keep your genes for a year. Um, it's just, it's, you know, as a business, you have to maintain that interest level, you know, interaction with the customer for a period. Um, but if you want to send back your genes after five years or 10, you know, that's absolutely and totally an option. Um, you're right that it, it, it can be interpreted as, a, oh, hey, I can just buy a new pair of jeans every, every year. But the reality is that a lot of people do that and they not only buy a new pair of jeans every year, but every six months, wear it, get it dirty, throw it away in the trash, not even in the textile sector, in the textile box or whatever you want to uh, call it. And, you know, it's just this huge waste. Um, of fabric resources work that went into making that product. So um, yeah, and, and as, as a customer of Mudgeens, you know, behind it comes a whole re-education and culture that, you know, we hope that the customer also partially um, absorbs. Yeah, I mean, that's, a, that's an incredible statistic that I hadn't heard about people only wearing it five to seven times. I, that's, I mean, just really sad in some ways. <laughs> um, 
So, okay, so let, let's say I'm, I've, I've been a customer for X amount of time. I, I've loved the mud jeans and getting to the point where I feel like I want to return them and get a new pair. What happens then? Uh, so I send it back and then what happens? Well, um, it depends a little bit where you're located in the sense that if you have access to the free return label, um, but currently we have return label, retu free return label, return label availability in the, the Netherlands, Belgium, um, Germany, and France. And we're really hoping to increase that. We're also working with our retailers. So, hey, if you don't have the free return label, you can drop it off at a shop somewhere across Europe. In the US, we're working to get there. We don't have, we're not there yet. You can, of course, order them. Um, but, but we don't have retailers there yet. So, and then um, we get the jeans back. Um, and typically you email us. You can then purchase a new pair if you want to, and you get a discount code or sorry, you can purchase or lease and you always get a discount, either uh, 10 euros or a lease um, a month off your lease. Um, and that's how we try to encourage you to continue um, your um, interaction with, with mud jeans and, and your relationship with a pair of mud jeans. That's great. Um, one thing I, I want to talk about a little bit is, is um, your, your role and, and your company's desire to have continuous improvement. So obviously minimizing waste, designing for circularity is something that's ingrained into what you're doing as a company. I was really struck at the level with which you actually incorporate that into your to your work. So, uh, as I understand, you are um, put out yearly sustainability reports. You conduct uh, yearly or annual life cycle assessments. Can you just speak a little bit to what that means? Yeah. Wow. Thank you for this question. Um, I love this question. Yeah, we work really hard to. Uh, measure a lot of our impact uh, and also be very transparent about it because I think transparency um, is really the best way to be a, a responsible and sustainable brand. Um, and it's really how you can foster um, trust with your customer, right? Um, so we do that. We have our sustainability report and there um, we just, you know, spill the beans about everything and anything that we're doing. Um, in the last two years, we started measuring our, our impact and setting specific goals in terms of water, CO2 consumption, and recently biodiversity impact. We started incorporating aspects on diversity and inclusion because we think that this is a really important topic um, and, and always striving for that continuous improvement from an environmental perspective, waste perspective, there's always, uh, it's easier in the sense that you can, you have strong numbers and it's, it's easier to say, you know, we have improved by 15%. Um, so we, we really try to do that. And then LCAs, the life cycle analysis report, it's really measuring the impact of your product from uh, for us is from cradle to gate. So it's from um, the cotton bulb up to the final product um, before it gets sent to our, to our warehouse and it's distributed to our customer. And really is to understand 
the environmental impact of that product. And the way that we do this, we really measure the environmental impact of every single item in our collection and then analyze each of those items to understand where in the production process, you know, is this item using particularly more water or more energy or a particular chemical that is not performing as well as we would want it to. So from there, we can start developing strategies to really um, reduce our impact. But for example, with this LCA, we now know that, um, well, first of all, using post-consumer recycled cotton has a huge impact on reducing the environmental impact. Um, and of course, the use of natural materials, but also using renewable energy sources is also a huge contributor to um, reducing that impact. And so with all of this information, we can start strategizing towards what you mentioned, which is this continuous improvement journey. Yeah, and it sounds like you're really making some exciting insights. Before we get to that, one thing that I'm always fascinated about life cycle assessments is how to define the box. What, what exactly are you looking at in terms of your system? You talked, you spoke a little bit about uh, cradle to gate, which was a new term for me. I hadn't actually heard that. Um, in terms of measurement, how do you decide what parameters you're measuring? How do you know that they're actually impactful or, or, or relevant to achieving the vision of less waste? How do you, what's that decision-making process? Yeah, so we're very lucky because we work with uh, an organization called EcoChain and they basically have a system that allows me to quantify all of that impact. So what I do is, um, and they quantify this with a bunch of verified data sets that they have in the background of, of, of that system. Um, what's unique for Mudgeons is that typically uh, bigger brands, because it's difficult to really obtain genuine data when, when you're a bigger brand, is you know they they base their information on industry standard values and try to measure there more or less what's what's our impact right but mudgeons is very unique because we actually incorporate our own data as much as we can so um as i mentioned we have a very small supply chain we have four main supply chain partners and with them i prepare um, a very clear uh, data input uh, document where I ask them to really tell me every piece of information that goes into making, whether it is, uh, you know, a particular pair of jeans to a yard of fabric to, um, you know, 10 kilograms of recycled fiber, whatever it is, you know, it, it breaks it down into, okay, what chemicals did you use for this and this and this and this and this quantities, how much energy that you use here, 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 your entire production process. And then you look at those items additionally, and then you calculate the distances that those items traveled, the energy used in production across all of those um, materials, everything, every little piece of detail goes into making this LCA. And then you walk out um, really having an overview, a, a very direct uh, analysis of the impact of, of your product. Of course, for example, for cotton, um, we use um, data sets for that because we don't have direct communication with our cotton farmers, for example. We use GOT certified cotton, but 
it's difficult to have direct communication with them. So um, yeah, that's the way that we work with the system. And then the system is able then to, um, across multiple parameters, give us overviews of, of, uh, of impact. And that includes water consumption, CO2, also waste, waste estimations. But actually for waste estimations, uh, I more directly ask my suppliers for an overview of their waste production rather than rely on the system estimations. Um, and uh, yeah, these type of outputs. So you collate all of this information from both of your suppliers, you understand how, and so I, I guess just briefly, when you mean short, you mean actually, you physically mean shorter distances than it's traveled and also fewer steps to get to final gene. Is that what you mean by, by short supply chain? Just so I understand. Yeah, absolutely. You know, typically in the denim industry, you have suppliers, oof, you have a huge list of suppliers. Now we have four, three are based in Spain and the, and the fourth one is based in Tunisia. So if you look at the map, it's really quite close to, to Europe. It's not, uh, I don't know, China, Bangladesh, India, like it's not, the travel distance is really quite short. You go to France from Marseille, then you take the boat and you cross, you know, you just go down and that's it. Um, and so everything travels either on road or, or bus, uh, bus or truck. So it's really uh, short distances and, and, and means that are, that you can more or less have a moderate uh, impact of transport. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I hadn't really thought about the length of uh, supply chains and, and how much that impacts, but obviously when you're moving goods around the world in some instances, it obviously has a big impact. So you, you, you do all these measurements and it sounds like you're already making some pretty exciting insights in the fact that post-consumer recycled cotton has a big impact on, on your uh, uh, assessment as well as source of energy that you're using. Are there any, were there any surprise, what were some of the insights you had? Were there anything that was surprising? Um, how have you used those insights? Yeah. Um... I was interested to see, so for example, three of our suppliers, they use um, renewable energy, which is fantastic. We have a third that when we first did the LCA, they didn't have renewable energy. And then we saw that like the cost of uh, ironing and stitching, the cost, environmental cost, when I say cost of ironing and stitching is, is really high up. And, and which is like really a bit um, I was surprised. So that's where we decided, okay, we need to work on this. And that developed that strategy there. So our manufacturers started working towards being more energy efficient. That's, that was a little bit the first step. And for them, it actually worked out also very uh, on a positive level because their electricity bills just reduced significantly by a couple hundred thousand. And then um, the next step now is we we had conversations about shifting over to solar energy um, and they were very much, um, yeah, interested in doing that. So that's really exciting that from an LCA measurement of an understanding where the impact is, then you can have more solid conversations with your suppliers and, and you know, drive that, that again, continuous improvement because you can, you can make those changes. Um, which I think would have been much, uh, a much harder conversation um, without that data, for example. Right. 
and it's not easy generating the data. I'm wondering how, is this, um, is this something that's, that now, how long have you been kind of doing these reports as, as it's been, a, you said, you mentioned you've been doing it for a few years. Is this something you started from the beginning as a company or, or you were, um, is this a, a new effort? Um, no, so back in 2016, and this was before my time, um, Mudgeons was working with a company we still are, but on a, with a different, at a different scope um, called Blue Dots. And they sort of um, did the first analysis of our scope one, two, and three emissions. And with them, we um, really uh, worked on identifying the environmental impact of every genes in our collection and actually the entire business so that then we can use that information to offset our impact because my genes is, is carbon uh, neutral. Well, actually in 2020, we became carbon positive or climate positive. Um, and so we had some knowledge and data there, but it was more uh, in a general overview impact. And it was difficult to um, really update that information and maintain it. Uh, data is super tricky and you have to be continuously working on it. In fact, um, the first LCA that we did was in 2019, and our second one is now the most recent one, which is in 2020. And we had, uh, if I'm not mixing this up, a reduction between um, 2019 and 2020 between, I think it was 15% in water and a reduction in 18% in CO2. I think I'm quoting that correctly, but a significant reduction in both areas. And this was to do, yes, with some really interesting projects, for example, the undyed denim that wasn't, it's just fabric that isn't being dyed um, and therefore you're using less resources. But uh, simultaneously, one of the reasons for the reduction in those values was also because of better data. So that's also a very key element of our strategy is like, how can we improve data, get more specific data from our suppliers? And that's very much a relationship that you have to uh, work on um, with the suppliers, because it, it's a lot of work actually to ask them for all of that information and, and get all of that information. So, yeah. It is a lot of work, but it's, I think, I just want to pause and say that it's, it's incredible. If you're, if you're already getting to the point where you're climate positive, you're having sizable reductions in water usage and CO2 emissions in just a matter of years. I mean, that's, that's incredible. That's, that's super exciting that you're able to do that. I'm wondering, is there, is there any, um, can you capture that value in any way? Uh, I'm thinking, and this is from a, kind of, a, I'm drawing from a different sector entirely, but I know that there are programs, policies around the world that where you can, if you have a, a lower carbon intensity transportation fuel, you can benefit from that, right? If, you, or if you're producing a fuel that is, has a lower carbon intensity or it's carbon negative, you can be financially remunerated for that um, in the form of kind of a credits. Is that, is that something that can even, is that conversation even happening in the fashion space? I'm, I feel like you, you should be, uh, as a company, you should be benefiting from this work. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's a really interesting topic. So 
to put into perspective with all of this LCA stuff uh, that we did, um, we are we were able to conclude that in uh, 2020, an average pair of machines consumes 93% less water uh, and 74% less CO2 than an industry standard pair of jeans. From a climate perspective, this is huge because it not is, is not only great to be a sustainable brand, but we are actually able to demonstrate that circularity. And there's a lot of work going on here in Europe, uh, a lot of organizations writing uh, some great reports with some great insight. But that circularity, while it's not the only solution, like like 100% of the solution to the climate issue, but it is an important tool to reaching our climate objectives, right? To reduce global warming and really start working with materials differently and, and respect planetary boundaries. So we're really proud of our work there because it's it's with data demonstrating that work and, and really part of Majin's, uh, one of the key pillars to our strategy is something called positive activism, where uh, along with sharing a lot of information with our customers. In general, we share a lot of information with the entire industry in the hope of inspiring others to take similar steps. But then to, ask, uh, to answer your question directly, unfortunately in the fashion industry, there isn't yet that space of having benefits behind producing your jeans in this way. Um, we participate a lot in um, conversations and interviews and and all type of uh, things with NGOs and also with policy representatives and they always ask us okay what do you need what do you need what do you need and there there just needs to be a different taxa taxation system for sustainable brands circular brands specifically that are using um, you know old materials in a lack of a better word waste right because those materials were already taxed in their virgin material status, but you're taxing me again for, you know, that 40% of my genes that contains, you know, post-consumer recycled cotton. So there needs to be a benefit there because at the end of the day, it's still more expensive to purchase post-consumer recycled cotton than conventional cotton. So, you know, there's just not the, the financial incentives there. There should be. And, and I know that the European Union and the European Commission are working towards generating those incentives. Um, and there's the Green Deal. Um, here in the Netherlands, there's something called the Denim Deal, which is uh, working with all um, denim brands so that at least... 5% of post-consumer recycled cotton is used in all denim production in this country, which is really important because then that incentivizes brands to use post-consumer recycled cotton or waste. And then it's that, you know, circling back of materials and, redu and the reduction of, of that materials ending up in, in a landfill. So, yeah. I, I, I don't know if I answered your question. Did I? You did. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and I think I, I, I want to, I am very interested in talking about the ecosystem and, and where it's going, but I, I kind of want to pause and just talk a little bit about your, your background and what, what drew you to this fashion sector. Uh, is this, had you been in the, the fashion space previously or is this is a new venture for you personally? Yeah, so my story is a bit of a weird story, but um, no, I originally studied um, 
international politics. And then I specialized in public policy and specifically environmental policy. But in the back of my head, I always wanted to find a way to link it to um, the creative world, the fashion industry world, if possible. That was sort of a dream for me. Um, as a sort of young teenager, you know, when you're trying to figure out what you want to do with your life, I was very hard on myself. And I, you know, said, you don't have the talent to become an artist or to become, you know, a fashion, whatever. And I didn't even think that maybe in fashion, there could be other areas of, you know, business, but it was just very black and white for me. So I said, okay, you're very good in the economics and the, and the sciences. So let's go in that direction. And maybe later on in life, you can bring both passions um, together. And so, yeah, that's kind of like what I pushed to do. And before this, I was actually working at the United Nations in Rome. And um, I, it was great. But also I was in my mid-20s and I said, okay, if you want to work in fashion and, and work and bring together these two worlds, you have to do it now, like now, before you specialize in something super random at the UN and then your career takes off in that direction. And so I, yeah, started bothering people and bombarding them with emails and, you know, eventually much is uh, replied after I think the fifth application. <laughs> I'm like, Hey guys, do you have anything? Um, and it's all about timing because yeah, there's their previous sustainability manager uh, was leaving for another role and perfect, you know, and then with Mudgeons, it was really a dream come true because it's not only working in sustainability, but it's being their CSR manager for a circular company. They are pioneers in the industry. So it was, it has been a fantastic experience of just learning a lot. Um, so, yeah, that's the well, story. <laughs> yeah. And then, when, uh, well, congratulations on the persistence. Uh, I think that's, um, I'm also trying to think if, if I was giving myself these frank conversations when I was a teenager about what I wanted to be doing. Um, but that is interesting in terms of the, the, the topic of, of you know, having a certain skill set and bringing it to a sector that typically you wouldn't or you wouldn't think to look for that kind of role. Um, how can you just talk about that process? How did you you knocked on people's doors. Uh, how, how did you go about trying to bring that together? Yeah, it's weird. I always, um, I don't want to sound too cliche here, but I always thought that there was a, a sort of power behind the fashion industry because it's a very relatable industry. We all interact with it. Uh, it's a huge industry uh, from economic, but also environmental perspective, we're all connected also in, in multiple ways across uh, different sectors. So, and somehow in my head, that was very clear, but I also want, thought that I wanted to do something. Um, yeah, for me, I guess it was the beginning. Well, no, we have been talking about uh, climate change since the eighties, but for me, it was just a very uh, important aspect of, of my generation, the whole, you know, climate change challenge. Um, and I, and I suppose that it was just, just the mentality that I had at that time, plus this passion that I had for, for um, the fight against climate change just led me in the direction that I, that I took. And then it was just 
you know, checking out the brands that I thought were pretty cool and, and doing exactly that, just knocking on people's doors and saying, hey, I want to learn this. And sometimes not even asking for a job. Maybe it's just having a conversation, learning from people and, and getting their advice. Yeah, well, I definitely commend the, the, the proactiveness. I think a lot of people uh, wouldn't necessarily take that step. So it's a credit to you. So now that you've been in the, the you've been at my jeans for a few years, you, you, you really, it sounds like it's kind of in this like ideal position where you can leverage your analytical scientific skill sets in the fashion space, taking on a higher level view. How do you, where do you see the, the fashion industry going um, in terms of circularity? Uh, what are some of the challenges that they're it's facing and where, how, how can we get to a more circular sector? Yeah, I'm going to take the optimistic stand on this because I think we are uh, surrounded with a lot of this climate anxiety. Um, uh, yeah. Feeling around everything. So, you know, I'm hopeful. I think that from the tragedy that was COVID, um, there has been a huge push for how serious this climate change issue is. Um, and in fashion specifically, I have seen a huge uptake of businesses uh, thinking differently. There was also um, during the, the COVID pandemic when all of these big fast fashion companies canceled their orders and left all of these garment workers absolutely stranded with um, just huge amount of money, but also clothes had already been produced and they just didn't want to be paid for it. Um, in fact, there is um, a campaign going on right now, or there was, and I think is continuing to go on. It's called Pay Up. Um, and so there, once again, we saw the dark side of the fashion industry, the really toxic relationship between brand and manufacturer that people are just like tired of seeing. Um, and, and people have realized that actually we are all going to be in this mess of global warming. So we all need to uh, kind of come together and figure this out. I mean, in an optimistic way, I, I see bigger brands um, working on their sustainability, thinking of the materials that they're using, working on their marketing in that area. And of course, you can get a lot of criticism and say, are they greenwashing? What percentage of their total output are these sustainable you know, um, pieces that they're, they're promoting? There's a lot of you know, ifs and buts and is this really the, the true reflection of what the company of the brands want to do? There's a lot of that. But I think the general di direction that we're headed is an exciting one. I see that there's also a lot of innovation in trying to find ways of sorting materials better, being able to identify. So one of the challenges of recycling um, clothes is that typically you can change, check your care label and you will realize that that garment is made with multiple different types of materials. And that's what makes it so difficult, difficult to recycle because you can't recycle them altogether. It just becomes like a, a huge mess, right? You can recycle paper and plastic. Um, and that's basically what you're doing. If you have cotton and polyester, it's plastic and a cellulose-based cellulose fiber. So you cannot really recycle that. 
Um, but now there's a lot of innovation, you know, that is able to read the fabric and tell you exactly what materials are in there, how to melt it and then separate those materials so you can make something new with that. And, um, you know, with the Green Deal and, and within that, there's a huge section on textiles. There's just a lot of exciting things happening. So, um, yeah, I'm hopeful. Yeah, that's that's great to hear um, that, you, that you are hopeful and that that's that there's innovation going in the right direction. I completely agree. I think uh, from my role in the in the waste sector, the more contaminated things are, it is harder to sort. Right. So uh, on the back end, so hearing that and seeing that there are ways to improved ways to be able to repurpose and recycle these materials is, is obviously very very exciting. For those that are listening, if they interested in learning more or doing something or they're excited about the fashion industry, what's, what, what's one thing that either they can do or one thing that the one organization that you think is doing a great work to bring or reduce waste in this fashion industry, improve the circularity? Can you give any recommendations? Yeah, I mean, first at an individual level, um, you know, think about how you're shopping. And I'm thinking here specifically about fashion. Try to go for materials that come from nature uh, and that have not been chemically processed. So if you're buying a T-shirt, if you're buying a dress or a pair of pants or whatever, try to aim for materials like cotton um 100 cotton if it's organic even better or uh, linen or viscose uh, tensile all of these materials wool silk um silk is a challenging one because of the worms but okay silk is okay also um because all of those products can and have the potential to biodegrade um and then you know take care of your clothes if you can don't tumble dry them um mend them all of these things help to extend the life of your clothes and when you're done wearing them you know here it's very typical to host a clothes swap so the clothes that are still in good condition you kind of have, you invite all of your friends over, everyone brings something that is still in good condition, but they're just not wearing anymore. Everyone hangs them or puts them on the table. You have cake and coffee and beer and you look at all of the clothes and if there's something you like, you take it. And then, you know, everyone kind of reshuffles their clothes. It sounds, you know, maybe a bit random, but it's really fun and really nice. Um, and yeah, you're just extending the life of that product. Participate in uh, applications like here there's something called Vinted uh, or Vestec Collective which is platforms where you can sell your clothes you know all of these things it's just it seems like a small thing but collectively it can have a huge impact um, that's kind of the, the the advice as an individual and then if you want to learn more about this topic and sustainable fashion in general and materials and what brands to check out or who's cool there's a really cool website called good on you um, if you google that you'll find them quite easily and they're 
you can really dive in um, and spend hours on that website, but they really break it down in a simple way, um, you know, that it's digestible and, and, and you, you feel empowered. It's not overwhelming and you walk away like, okay, it's the end of the world. No, you know, it's really, they, they explain things and they also suggest companies and brands also in the U S by the way, it's not a, it's not a European website. So um, yeah, I really recommend them. I love that. I'm going to go, uh, go look at all the labels of my clothes right now and see how much this is fun. <laughs> and, uh, how can, how can you not like a clothes swap when you have, uh, uh, coffee, cake, and beer? Although, although if you're in the Netherlands, I imagine there's also some stroopwafel, right? <laughs> oh yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. Hey, good knowledge there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I've uh, visited a couple times. Um, Great. Well, uh, Laura, thank you very much for your time. Uh, I really appreciate this and um, uh, hopefully uh, all the best for Mud Jeans as you, as you continue to grow and develop. Thank you. And thanks for having me and thinking of Mud Jeans.